0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know what you guys are thinking out there. Dan, not a whole lot happened on Tuesday. What the hell are you going to talk about on today's podcast? And I got good news for you guys. There are 12 games happening tonight, so we got a lot to cover in a delightful flip-flop of what we did on yesterday's podcast. Yesterday, we spent a ton of time reviewing Monday and then like four minutes previewing Tuesday. And today, we're going to spend like four minutes reviewing Tuesday and like a half an hour previewing Wednesday. It's a big one. What I'd like to do with some of our extra time, because we don't have a giant Tuesday to recap on today's show, is I want to go a little bit deeper in two things. One, how we look ahead. Because I know lately, you know, we haven't been doing a whole lot of homework assigning. Uh, And then on the gambling side as well, I want to go a little bit deeper on this Wednesday card. So... Uh, Let's make sure we have enough time for that and get right down to brass tacks. First and foremost, hello everyone. A happy Wednesday morning to you all. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on social media. That's where you can find me. At Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. As I said on yesterday's show, if you are not using NBA Twitter to get your news ahead of everyone else, you are missing golden opportunities to get a leg up on your fantasy league. So do take my advice there, really. Go sign up. You don't even need to do a profile picture. Sign up on Twitter. Follow me. Follow the people I'm following so you can get the news at the same speed I do. And then just don't use it for all the god-awful things that people do on social media. There is a way to avoid it. You can mute things. You can unfollow things. It's very, it's simple. It's What's hard about it is not going down that rabbit hole. So just exercise restraint, sign up, use it for news, for breaking news only, you'll be happy you did. You'll be better at fantasy sports. This is a hoopball presentation, hoop-ball.com, the website hoopball fantasy, the Twitter handle. You guys continue to take my advice on following hoopball fantasy and I I would say I thank you for it, but I I think you guys are probably just going to be happy you did, because then you get all your news chunked out into fantasy nuggets. Huzzah, I say. Huzzah. As I mute myself to clear my throat. Tuesday's card. Let's just jump right in. Let's do Tuesday's card. we got a lot of things to promo. We'll get to those at some point during today's show, but I want to dive right into it. Clippers were without their key guys, although... uh, I believe his name is Farbod Esnashari, who covers the Clippers. cover them for Forbes, I think, for a while. I've, I've lost track of what he's doing. He sent a tweet out yesterday that mentioned how, at the moment, no one on the Clippers, he believes, according to his sources, has tested positive. By the way, Pat Beverly is out for his knee. It's not COVID. Kawhi and Paul George are out for health and safety protocol. So all we really know at this point is that there was an exposure to something. We don't know what it was. It seems like and this it's pretty weird by the way that it's the two superstars. It makes you think maybe those two guys were hanging out together outside of the arena, which is, you know, great for team chemistry and all that stuff, but from a COVID standpoint, it's a terrible idea. But I don't know that that's the case. So we're not going to we're not going to speculate there. It doesn't seem like it's something that happened within the confines of the team because if it was, Clippers probably wouldn't have played a ball game last night. The whole team would have been in contact tracing. So, right now, the thought is that Kawhi and Paul George were exposed if they'll be tested throughout this week. The Clippers had a game yesterday against the Hawks. Their upcoming schedule, I think they have another one tomorrow, and then it's a part of a back-to-back or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. uh, Yeah, they got a heat. They're in Miami to take on the heat tomorrow, and then they've got the magic on Friday in a back-to-back, I believe, and and this was the tweet, but I don't know if this part is confirmed yet, is that Kawhi and Paul George, who presumably had an exposure on, I mean, you'd say yesterday, but probably not yesterday, it was probably Monday, they'll be tested now for the next roughly one week, and if they both test negative, then they'll probably be back maybe by the weekend, which would be their game Uh, in New York against the Knicks. If they were back by the game against Orlando on Friday, I'd be pretty surprised. I think you generally have to test longer than that after an exposure to know if somebody's actually going to develop COVID. And then if either of them actually gets COVID, then you're looking at probably another one to two weeks. So this could really spiral. And the hope here is that whatever exposure it was doesn't turn into anything else, doesn't materialize into an actual full-blown illness. So I think that's probably where we're at. Uh, Farbaud's tweet mentioned that maybe they could be back by Friday, but that would indicate that the exposure was over the weekend. And I don't know. I mean, this all, they played Sunday. They hosted the thunder on Sunday morning. Like, I don't, I don't think guys get back by Friday. That'd be too quick. People develop COVID symptoms. Remember that at the beginning, they were like, you got to quarantine for two weeks. And now they're like, well, like seven, eight days and then get a negative test. So uh, the NBA is probably abiding by about that one week rule. So I'd be surprised if either of them was back for the next two ball games, but maybe we get lucky. Maybe those two guys each dodge a bullet here and are back by Sunday in New York to take on the Clippers. In the meantime, what we got yesterday was an Atlanta win. Atlanta won by 9. The game was actually relatively close most of the way throughout, which tends to be the case when a team loses key people. The issue here, of course, and the reason I didn't get on the Clippers, I think I said on the pod yesterday, I was thinking about grabbing Clippers plus five. The reason I ultimately I did not, and I, I think I mentioned that on Twitter, and I, I was talking about it on Vison in the morning as well, is that Atlanta really does want wins right now. You know, they spotted this. A lot of times a team is sort of getting up for a big ball game, a big ball game against the Clippers, the vaunted Clippers. And so when the Hawks heard, oh, no Kawhi, no Paul George, there's a... Sometimes there's kind of this this letdown associated with another team missing the guys you've been game planning for. But for the Hawks, they were sitting at 8 and 8 going into yesterday's game, 5 and 5 or 4 and 5 in their last 9 or something like that, and they've been kind of piddling around after a pretty good start to the year, and frankly, they weren't really in any kind of comfortable position. At 8 and 8 going into yesterday, they were basically like a half game up from falling out of the playoffs. Uh, maybe a game up, something like that. I think the Magic, Magic are now a game and a half behind, so I guess they're about like a game up going into that one yesterday. Although the Knicks lost. Yeah, one game. So the Hawks went into that one thinking instead, instead of, oh, what a letdown, we wanted this big marquee matchup, they're thinking, awesome, we got to get ourselves a freebie here. And so they still played hard enough. To cover that number, and that was one. That was a big reason to leave that one alone. If that was a game, if that was like, I don't know, think of somebody up closer to the top. That was like Clippers, Sixers, and Philly was laying like eleven or twelve points. I think I probably would have gone Clippers just because with Philly they're in great shape. Like they don't need to blow anybody out. There would have been any massive impetus to just to really get that. For them, it wouldn't have been oh sweet an easy win. It would have been. Ah, all right, well, let's, you know, let's throw this bad boy into autopilot. We'll save our energy for the next one. Hawks know they need every win they can get. From a fantasy standpoint, we got our first look at what a Clippers team would be without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, and without Pat Beverly, and the answer was a crap ton of Reggie Jackson. I personally thought you'd see more Lou Williams. He did take 14 shots, so at least volume-wise it was a little bit better, but he only played 22 minutes. Reggie outplayed him by quite a bit. My guy, Luke Kennard, was the one that everybody was like, Dan, who should I stream? And I was like, I'd probably go Kennard. Had a pretty good ball game, not as great as I would have expected. 13-3-2, but four steals, two three-pointers kind of leveled things off. He was a bit cold shooting, or it could have been a much more interesting line. Also of note, uh, Ivica Zubac double-doubled, but only 18 minutes, so, you know, don't buy into that. Serge Ibaka played pretty well in his 29 minutes. He actually had some blocked shots in a weird twist. Marcus Morris was another question. Should I stream Marcus Morris? I thought, yeah, maybe. I mean, he'll probably do enough, but he was coming back from an illness, which was a reason to kind of shy away from that. So Reggie Jackson was kind of the surprise guest here. I thought Kennard would be good. I thought Kennard would be the best. And I thought Marcus Morris and Lou Williams would kind of be the next tier down. And and they were. Uh, but Reggie Jackson came out of nowhere to be number one in the heap. A lot of people are going to race out, pick up Reggie Jackson to stream him this week just be aware that he could just completely vanish in the next one. I think he's pretty safe. Seems like he's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh probably not going to shoot 8 for 16 in most ball games. We know historically his field goal percent is not one that you're counting on to kind of buffer what you're doing here. But if you want to squeeze out one, two, maybe three games of a of a wild stream here, then have at it. I mean, he'll be good for a couple of games. But that's all you're going to get. Just be aware that there's a, a a fat time limit on this one. Okay? Easy enough. On the Atlanta side, they mostly got their guys back. Danilo Gallinari was just, he didn't really do anything in this game, and that was kind of a letdown. They went heavy on the starters, and for Gallo, I thought his minutes would trend up more towards 20, but you it, it just sort of didn't have it in this one. You're still stashing there, absolutely no reason why you wouldn't. Uh The starters played giant minutes trey young thirty eight three and five he 's getting it going again. Is it health is it chemistry? Does it matter? The answer is doesn't matter whatever he's got it's starting to come around again for him. John Collins double doubled with five blocks in this ball game that covered up for kind of a poor shooting night. Clint capella thirteen and eighteen, two steals and two blocks he 's just chugging along now. boy, where is Capella? How far has he climbed he's number thirty three now Just keeps going up. Every day, he just goes up a little bit more. DeAndre Hunter has been unbelievable. And Josh Lloyd talked about him on this podcast on our Friday episode. I I mean, like, I don't think anybody in the world saw this type of massive leap coming for him. But right now, the starters are the guys you can trot out there for Atlanta. And really no one else, because Cam Reddish is still out. And then Gallo, once the minutes get up to speed, then he becomes a factor, but he's not there yet. Washington at Houston. Um, there was a, a hope here that maybe there'd be a bunch of revenge stuff going on. John Wall's minutes are being monitored very closely right now, but he did still have 24 points in 24 minutes. On the Houston side, Demarcus Cousins, boogie, he's been so damn good this go round with Christian Wood out that I think the Rockets are going to have to sort of rethink what they're doing with their front court. Like, Boogie now, he's at 174 on the year because he's still shooting, what, 34% overall and still averaging something like 18 minutes. Um, it, it's his play over their last, I guess it would be three ball games since Christian Wood went down in a three-game win streak for Houston, win at Detroit, win at Dallas, that wasn't a bad win, and then a win at home against Washington. I mean, yeah, the competition's not been particularly stiff, but Boogie, 15, 17, 11 rebounds in those games. He has 14 assists in those three games. Five steals, three blocks. And after five points in the first one, his shot is starting to fall a little bit. He has nine three-pointers in those three games. And he's averaging about 17 points per game. I mean, you could probably just sort by the last week of the results. And that actually includes the clunker game uh, before Christian Wood went down. And he's still top 60. Even if you include that one bad one. If you just go last three games for Boogie, he's inside the top 30. So I don't know. I mean, really, at this point, like, if you're Steven Silas, how do you go back to only playing Boogie 15, 16, 17, 18 minutes of ball game? I don't think that you can. They've been too good with him on the floor. I, to me, this is going to force Houston to play Christian Wood at the four a little bit. It's not going to be a ton. You know, those guys are not going to get 25 minutes on the floor together. That's just too big of a lineup. But I think they'll probably get six or seven. And that's enough. That's enough because Christian Wood can get 24 center minutes and seven or eight power forward minutes. And that gives Boogie 24 center minutes. He ain't playing power forward. But 24 is more than enough. And I don't I don't know how long it takes to get him to that mark. But with the way he's played... I cannot imagine a world where Boogie goes back to playing under 20 minutes of ballgame. He's getting his legs now. He's a monster. And this is why we just couldn't move on because the upside was so ever-loving close for a guy that was basically shooting like 15%. I mean, he was under 30% prior to this recent hot spell. And you knew that wasn't going to hold all year. Under 30%? That doesn't happen for the worst shooting guards in the NBA, let alone a giant dude who's going to get some rebounds and putbacks. Is this a sell moment for Boogie? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you can convince somebody that he's going to go be a top 50 guy, but I don't think that's going to work. Most of your leagues are are too smart for that. So probably just hang on. See where he levels off. Is it going to be 20, 22 minutes, 23? That's enough. David Nwaba had a good game in only 23 minutes, but again, as Houston gets healthy here, it's going to be a severe wing logjam for not very many minutes because Victor Oladipo is going to play a bunch in non-back-to-back scenarios. He didn't shoot the ball well yesterday, but it sort of didn't matter. John Wall, as he gets ramped up, he'll play most of the point guard minutes. Uh, Wood and Boogie will take care of all of the center minutes and now presumably maybe a handful of power forward minutes. So that leaves you. Well, Eric Gordon, who came off the bench and played 29 shooting guardish minutes. It leaves you really just the rest of the power forward minutes on this team, which is not a lot. And even if you called it like 40, how do you split 40 power forward minutes among David Nawaba, Sterling Brown, PJ Tucker, Jay Sean Tate, and Daniel House? The answer is. Nobody wins. What about the rest of the Washington side? The uh, the I don't care side. Well, guess what? I still don't care. Because they're still missing a bunch of guys. No Rui, no Bertans, no Wagner. Even without Wagner, Robin Lopez still, he played 30 minutes. He still can't do enough. So it's Beal and right now barely Russell Westbrook, although obviously you're hanging on that. He's just... Free throws, turnovers, field goal percent, not getting defensive stats. Russell Westbrook is looking like a distinct shell of himself so far, but you just got to hang on. Can't get any worse. The Knicks led in this game, if you can believe that. I think they led by double digits at one point, and then Utah just put the clamps down in the second half. Knicks couldn't do anything after the break. This was sort of a weird one. Uh... Mitchell Robinson didn't get a ton of playing time in the first half. He played a boatload after halftime, missed a few free throws, or it actually would have been a, a pretty reasonable game. I mean, if he, makes, if he makes three out of his four free throws, it's nine and seven with two blocks against Rudy Gobert. He'll take that every day of the week. Nerlens Noel, 17 minutes. It sure looked like he was going to get close to 20 in this game, and he had five more defensive stats, and I think you kind of have to have him on your team at this point, in any category leagues at least. Uh, data bank number one here on the point guard battle. Our hope, again, is that at some point, Emmanuel Quickly will take over for Alfred Payton, but they're just in the timeshare right now. Just split skis. Alec Burks was ice cold, so his playing time diminished. We still had 9-7, and seven, which, you know, not a good night, but could have been a lot worse. Austin Rivers got hot. For some reason, he always plays well against the Jazz. I saw that trending on Twitter yesterday, but that won't be the case most of the time either. So no real valuation changes for New York. They ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, Utah is crazy good right now. This was the Gobert show, and Royce O'Neal, because Donovan Mitchell was awful in this game, and they didn't need it. Boyan Bogdanovich was pretty bad in this one, and they didn't need it. Royce O'Neal went for 20 Conley has been a damn revelation this year, and I have to admit I did not see that type of massive jump for him coming. He's uh, at one and a half steals per game. That's the really interesting thing, because he hadn't been up in that territory in a while. And he's top 50. Probably a sell, by the way. I don't think those steals numbers can really hold all year, but, you know, damned if he's not going to be a decent fantasy player this year. By the way, with Royce O'Neal, 20 points is great, but that's a career high and he ain't getting anywhere near that again anytime soon so he continues to be exclusively a punt points option at number 110 yeah he's a 10th rounder so you could sort of squeeze him in there in a limited games head to head league where you got a three first bench or something like that uh but you're not using that on a a roto games cap unless unless you're punting points so there's sort of two schools of thought there he's also not at all useful in a points league but We don't talk too much about that. Um, Head-to-head, he's inside. I mean, he's inside the cut line. In a 12-teamer with unlimited games in a head-to-head daily league, pretty much anyone inside the top 120 is useful in some way. Now, you know, it certainly changes depending on if you're... Like, if you're punting turnovers, Royce O'Neal loses a lot of his value. If you're... uh, I don't know. If you're punting points, he gains a bunch of value, which I don't see too many people punt points in head-to-head, but I guess it's a possibility. And uh, and that's about it. Short Tuesday. That was easy. That was easy. We got a big Wednesday to break down, but I want to remind you guys that this week is gambling recruiting week here on Fantasy NBA Today. We've had a different theme of our recruiting pitch each of the last four weeks, and it's worked remarkably well. We had a lot of people write in about the sales gig last week and DFS and blurbing. So uh, thank you to everybody. We have some new contributors here at HoopBall. Welcome to the mix. It's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. And if you want to have some fun here with us in the HoopBall gaming division, first of all, follow at Gaming on Twitter. If you listen to this podcast and you're into sports betting at all, that's where we do our uh, our dirty business, our dirty business here at HoopBall's in the gambling universe. Uh, that Twitter feed, again, is at Gaming. Very easy to find. Super easy Twitter handle to follow. And if you're out there and you've been betting for a while as a non-analyst, just on your own, handicapping cards, betting NBA, baseball, football, whatever, we're looking to grow our gaming division. And right now we're looking for people, and this, again, is a little bit niche kind of like the sales gig we're looking for people that have not really done it before. We want to be the ones to get you across that threshold. You're really good at it, but you've never really done it for anyone other than yourself. So hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line, gaming division. And I'd love to check that out. Again, it doesn't have to be basketball. It can be other things. But let us get you over the line. We'll teach you how to do it as an analyst. It's going to be fun. So that's our recruiting pitch for the day. And it segues right into the sports betting stuff that I want to talk about in today's podcast as well. For one, thank you to everybody that continues to sign up with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. If you haven't done it yet, you probably should, because Troy went 3-0 again yesterday. That dude is unreal. Uh... His soccer record, you can ask him to post it. He has everything. I think he has all of his stuff through the Action Network, so he can give you his, his full record. Troy's been amazing. Perfect 2-0 yesterday in soccer. Won three more units there. He went 1-0 in the NBA. You won another 1.5 units there. He's up 11 units in the NBA now. I mean, the dude is just throwing fireballs. Brew went 2-1 and yesterday, and he gained a unit. Lost the small one, won the big one. I didn't have any plays yesterday. But I'm personally on a little 5-1 and run which is fun. So now we're back up four to five units on the year. After, well, there was one day late middle of last week where I just got bludgeoned with a brutal one. And then it was sort of this reset moment. And damn it. If we would have hit that Phoenix, Denver double overtime under, if one of those two idiot teams actually fouls someone at the end and doesn't let the other guy tie with a three pointer, we'd be on a seven and one run right now. That was a three unit swing right there. Sons of bitches. Anyway, Um, you got to sign up. Go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code Hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. When you sign up, that'll unlock a 50% deposit match bonus if you'd like to use that on your first deposit. And when you make that first deposit, hit me up. I've got a prize for you. So open up your account. If you use Bitcoin, you can make a deposit as little as $20. That's nothing. If you use a credit card, I think it's $40 or $45. Also, almost nothing. And then hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vesper. Say, Dan, I just made a deposit at my bookie with my new account. I've got a prize waiting for you, and it's a good one too. It'll go towards what you're doing at my bookie, as much as I can tell you. Let's talk about the card a little bit, though. Um, I, th- I think we want to do, th- and I, I, you know how I bounce back and forth and how I break down this upcoming card. I think I want to do. Two separate analyses of this coming big Wednesday card. Now, I want to—I'll keep this show in the thirty-five to forty-minute range because it doesn't need to be the world's longest episode. And you know, I'll have some fun stuff coming up. Big recap of this card on tomorrow's show, and then Friday we've got our big old weekend review thing going on. So, uh, a lot here coming up over the next couple of days. So you don't need all of the shows to be an hour long. But I think what I'd like to do here is we'll break it down. Fantasy-wise, run it all the way through, and then we'll loop back around, and we'll do it again from a gambling perspective. Really separate the two pieces, uh, and that, I think, will be easier because some of you are, are probably listening for one, the other, and, and then some are listening for both. Indiana at Charlotte. This game really comes down to whether or not Demonis Sabonis plays. If he does not, everybody shifts up a pocket on Indiana, and that'll bring in more bench play. Probably Doug McDermott, honestly— Although we saw in the last one just a truckload of Jeremy Lamb, which means if he's really up to that speed at this point, then you're cooking with gas, man. He's looked amazing so far. Nothing really to change on the Indiana side other than you know, just keep an eye on minutes for Lamb, for Justin Holiday, for McDermott if he slots in in any way, but I don't think we're doing anything there regardless. Charlotte's side... The thing to watch there is what Cody Zeller is doing to the rest of the team, and LaMelo Ball's playing time. He's been cut down a little bit here. His teams have made some adjustments, and he's trying to sort of learn the NBA game a little bit. You have to adjust, and then you counter-adjust, and then you keep doing it. Does Cody Zeller hurt P.J. Washington? And my thought is that the answer is probably, because P.J. was rolling when he was picking up you know, 10, 15, 17, 20 center minutes, basically when Bismack was off the floor. But now, those minutes can go to Zeller. And there will probably be some PJ at center action nightly because the Hornets looked decent when he was doing it. But I also think Charlotte likes having the sort of bigger defensive presence in there. And then historically, they've been a decent team when Cody Zeller's been healthy. I know it's a weird thing to think that like this guy, this oft-injured, not doesn't do much fantasy-wise big man has been critical for them, but he's one of the few guys on that team that can both play defense and isn't an offensive liability. Because Bismack can defend, but he's horrible on the offensive end. Don't get me wrong, Zeller's not good, but... He'll go get a layup to go down on a three-point play where Bismack won't make the layup and go clang two free throws. That's a difference of two, two two-and-a-half points on a trip there. And I think that'll probably begin to tip in his favor. Is Zeller a pickup? No. Not a chance. He hasn't had that level of fantasy game in a number of years, and he'll be hurt again within two weeks, almost guaranteed. Detroit in Cleveland, a battle of overachieving not-great teams. Pistons... Only four and thirteen, so that surprised me a little bit. Cavs are eight and nine, Pistons are four and thirteen, and I got to tell you, these two teams are not separated by much. Cavs have won a couple of tight ball games. Pistons have lost a bunch of tight ball games, and that's why the Cavs are favored by two and a half. It's basically oddsmakers saying this game is basically a dead heat, and they're probably right. Cavs beat Detroit in overtime earlier this year. And from a fantasy perspective, Delon Wright has been cooking. Wayne Ellington has been cooking. Mason Plumlee has been the opposite of cooking. I don't know what that is. Eating? Cleaning? What's the opposite of cooking? The opposite of cooking is not cooking. Being stationary in a room far away from the kitchen. Blake Griffin has been non-existent. Derrick Rose has been hurt. And so Detroit is kind of fun these days. I would actually, I'd like to see Derrick Rose get back in there. He was playing relatively well before he went down. Blake Griffin is just beyond disinterested in basketball at this moment. Cleveland side, you're mostly watching how they fit all the pieces together because they got big men coming out of their ears. Is Larry Nance healthy enough to play in this game? If he is, that'll give us a better data point because then we'll know what are they doing here with Nance, Allen, and Drummond. Yet to see Kevin Love, by the way, in that ridiculous mix. Kentorian Prince carve out a role. The answer is. A roll? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Can he carve out a fantasy role? The answer to that is most likely no. Darius Garland, his minutes are trending back up. If you can still buy on him, I would do so now because any one of these games is the one where his value could sort of lock right back into place and then there's no opportunity there anymore. Sacramento is in Orlando. Start of a road trip for the Kings. Teams do tend to play relatively well in those spots. Uh Magic. Is sort of, you're watching Cole Anthony. He's been playing better lately. This will be a tougher matchup with him, with Darren Fox on the other side. You you have like a a real legit point guard to go up against. Magic have looked better with Evan Fournier back. I I, I say it that way because I was a little bit surprised. I didn't think he would make that huge of a difference for them, but they just seem less awful. They're still bad. Don't get me wrong. There's not a good basketball team, but they just they they have offense to compete all of a sudden. And point Aaron Gordon has been kind of fun also. Kingside, you're mostly watching Marvin Bagley to see if his minutes can still hang around near 30. If they can, he probably ends up a fantasy value before the year's done, because it's been a really rough start for the dude. Real rough. Outside the top 240, I believe, for a while there. He may have clawed his way inside of that now. I don't think they're really anything else to watch on the Orlando side. We haven't changed anything with that team. Buckaroos are in Toronto laying seven on the road. That's a big one. Although we've seen this year home road really doesn't matter. And then for Toronto, they're not even at home. They're road home in Tampa. We don't talk about that enough. It's super weird. Barnstorming tour here for the Raptors this season. Um, Fantasy-wise, there's really very little on the Milwaukee side. If you think they're going to play in a blowout, you can stream Bobby Portis, basically. Toronto, it's all about whether or not one person is out. If one of their main dudes is off the floor, Norman Powell is on the floor. If the main guys are on the floor, Norm is off. Denver laying six in Miami. This is a much bigger line than I was expecting and or hoping for, which is a bit of a downer because I kind of wanted to bet the Nuggets, but we can loop back around and talk about that in a minute. Nuggets playing well. Um, you're just, right now, you're seeing if any of the non-main three guys can sustain fantasy value. For Miami, uh, they're still missing a bunch of dudes. Although it sounds like they might get Avery Bradley back for this game. He was questionable on their last injury report. Otherwise, guys are just running out of gas. Adebayo is running out of gas, and he one of the few guys who actually had a little bit left. And then those, the rest of those dudes, Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olenek, they're all just beyond exhausted at this point. Brooklyn is in Atlanta. And for the Nets, you're still watching the center position. DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green. Atlanta on the back-to-back, catching six and a half at home. Should basically have the same guys they had yesterday. Not much to watch for fantasy-wise there. I guess you could watch for Gallo if he even plays on the back-to-back. Maybe the minutes were diminished yesterday because he's going to try to play in this one. I don't know. The expectation is that he's sitting it out. Lakers, nothing there from a fantasy perspective. Philly, same story if Embiid is in. There's really no fantasy notes in this ballgame. Should be a fun one, though. That's a big TV game. Boston, in San Antonio. Celtics, kind of full strength here for the first time all year, I think. Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Smart. They'll have all of them in the same ball game. Did they have that in the last one, or was Kemba sitting that one out? I forget. Regardless, they're laying four in San Antonio. And uh, I think they'll they'll have some fun. They got some offensive power power now. You're watching the center spot in Boston, of course. Can Daniel Tice actually stay above the threshold? I'm guessing the answer is probably not consistently because they are just too many centers, but maybe. And then the Time Lord, too, because with the rest of those guys healthy, that creates a a tougher inroad for him at the center spot. It seemed like they wanted to get him 14, 15 minutes a game, and that was actually enough, but that number trended down in their last one, and that's not enough. Nothing really going on on the Spurs' side. Thunder, it's really just about who's playing. You're tracking Baisley, you're tracking Dort. See if those guys can actually get above the cut line, and consistently so. I really am thinking that for Baisley it might be next year. He's got these games that look pretty good, but it's that, what, what was the coin? The term we used two weeks ago? Fantasy Butterface. Ooh, blocks, rebounds, steals. Great, awesome. Oh, no. Field goal percent, free throw percent. What have we done? Arrested development line. I've made a huge mistake. I can't do Will Arnett. Assume I'm someone else. Phoenix side. DeAndre Ayton's been trucking. What's Devin Booker's status for this game? I don't have an update yet as the t- at the time of this podcast. But it's really all about chemistry with that team. That's kind of it. Dallas, do they get somebody back for this ballgame? Boy, they'd love it if they did. Utah favored by three and a half on the back-to-back. That's a short line. This one feels about as trappy as any line I can think of on the board right now. Jazz are just beating the snot out of everyone they're playing. And then to only lay this against a struggling Mavs team? I want to bet Utah, but I think I'm leaving this one alone. New Orleans by 7.5. They had their last game postponed. Supposedly, this one's happening. Same thing with the Spurs. Supposedly, that one's happening. We'll see. Wizards on the back-to-back. Does Westbrook play? My guess would be no. Historically, they've been better. I say historically. It's really this year. Last five weeks, they've been better without Westbrook on the floor, but they are still missing Davis, floor spacer extraordinaire, Hachimura, I don't know if Beal and the Bealiers can keep up with the Pelicans, even a bad Pelicans team at this point. Uh, But I would lean Wizards, if anything, in this, because Pels, even though they had their last game postponed, they're still playing their first game back home after a long road trip. There could be a bit of a sluggish start here. And then Minnesota and Golden State, Warriors by 9 in a a rematch game. And, again, we'll loop back around and do the gambling stuff here. But uh, for Minnesota, Jared Vanderbilt, you're kind of watching on the stream. And then Ricky Rubio. I want to see Rubio with Russell back in the lineup. Can he possibly carve out a decent enough role? And we may be saying this the whole year. Might be week 22, and I'm on this podcast going, can Ricky Rubio finally get into the role with D'Angelo Russell? Maybe not. But again, he's one of those guys you don't want to miss it if it happens. Probability is low. 5%, 10% maybe that he can coexist with Russell the way they're using him right now at least. But if that 5 or 10% hits, it's a lot of assists and steals. Quick gambling tour through this card. And, and I had some people ask me, like, Dan, how do you handicap the games? Well, for me, a lot of it is about scheduling. Motivation is probably my biggest angle that I'm looking for. Motivation is a big one during the dog days of an NBA season. And then there's also kind of a line value situation where you're just looking for things that are not built into the line. I'll give you an example of each that I've done recently in our wager pass. Uh, On Monday, because I didn't have any plays on yesterday's card, on Monday's card, I had a late play, or a play on the late game, I should say, uh, on the Thunder. The Thunder were in Portland, and they were catching four and a half points. Both teams were on a back-to-back, I believe, at that point. And I looked at that game, and there wasn't a motivational angle here. You know, Thunder don't want to beat Portland any more than anyone else. Same deal on the Blazers' side. Thunder, are they're playing well. They haven't been eliminated from anything yet. It'll happen eventually. Make no, I mean, the, the West is too tough. They're 7-9, which is great, but that's not going to get it done long-term. So, you know, in their minds, they're still kind of in the mix. They've been quite good on the road actually, as well. But that didn't. That wasn't a big factor in the handicap there. The factor in the handicap was that the Blazers were 9-6, and six, but kind of a paper tiger, because they had no CJ, no Nurk, no Rocco, and they didn't play defense even when all three of those guys were around. But now, when you don't play defense and you can't outgun your opponent, you're not covering any multiple possession spreads. So that one was really about a team just being overvalued. Similarly, Or not dissimilarly, I guess. On that same card, I bet Orlando and Indiana. Those games were both revenge games, but you don't just flat bet a revenge game in in these rematch sets. There's always other stuff that goes into it. Orlando-Charlotte, for instance. Gordon Hayward had gone for basically 40 the night before. That was unlikely to repeat itself. And Orlando was on their first game back off a long road trip, so their sluggish second half wasn't likely to repeat itself. And then, sure enough, you add that in with the revenge angle, you have line value there. Magic should have been favored by more like three or four. They were favored by one. They won by nine. It ended up not mattering, those two or three points, but that's a big deal. Same story, Indiana-Toronto. Toronto Toronto beat Indiana while Malcolm Brogdon and Damanis basically did nothing on Sunday. So that was a pretty straightforward handicap. Do I think Indiana can come back and win this next ballgame? I really do. I don't see OG Ananobi playing as well in the next one because he was great on Sunday, and he was likely to come back to earth. Freddie Van Fleet, even if he plays a little bit better, it sort of didn't cover anything. Norman Powell played really well. They got good games from their guys on Sunday that were likely to at least one... Not repeat itself. Meanwhile, the real story was on the Indiana side. They played drunk and lost by, like, a late bucket, basically. So all I needed Indiana to do in their rematch game was not play drunk. Brogdon was a lot better. Everybody else was basically the same. Sabonis got hurt, which briefly I thought, oh, well, that that takes care of half of our handicapping. But they won by 15 in that game. Indiana was favored by 2. I thought they should have been favored by more like 4 or 5. So that's value from a motivational and mean reversion combo standpoint. So how do we use that now going into today's card? That's the question I'm sure you guys are thinking. It's great, Dan. You're talking about games that you won. By the way, I lost my heat bet on, uh, on Sunday. I thought they were going to be able to hang in there and score with Brooklyn, and they did, and then they didn't score. The last five and a half minutes of the ballgame was the damn weirdest thing. So it doesn't always work, but you find these spots where you feel like you have a few points built into things that are not reflected in the line. What about today's card? Indiana-Charlotte, honestly, not a whole lot there. It's the front end of a rematch set, so a really good opportunity to see how this one plays out. Indiana's favored by two on the road. That's a relatively accurate line. That's a pass for me, most likely. Detroit and Cleveland. There are a couple of angles floating around here. Cavs are coming off a pair of marquee games. Lost to Boston, ugly. Really played the Lakers tough, but ultimately LeBron was just kind of too much. They've been on a run against pretty good teams here lately. They beat the Nets twice. And now they come in and they play finally play a team that's not a marquee matchup. So there's a little bit of a letdown possibility on the Cleveland side, especially when you consider how well they've worked in some of their new pieces. Detroit, meanwhile... Just got a really nice win. They're finally feeling a little bit better about all these games they've kept so close and haven't been able to get over the hump. They also got beat by the Cavs earlier this year, so that gives me a lean to the Detroit side. Cleveland's favored by two and a half. I think the line is actually relatively accurate in this one, so it's not a ton of actual straight line value, but motivationally, I think Detroit has an edge in this game. I probably would have handicapped this one closer to a pick I'd say Detroit is about a point maybe point and a half better than Cleveland on a neutral site right now. Sacramento, Orlando. First game of a long road trip tends to be a bit galvanizing for teams, so there's a slight edge in Sacramento's favor. But this is a really short line. And that's going to confuse people, I think, because the Kings this year have certainly not looked... I mean, they've looked terrible. Kings are 6-10. and ten. Magic are 8-10. and ten. So on paper, you're like, oh, Orlando, they're a better team. Well, not necessarily. Uh, I'm likely leaving this game alone, for whatever that's worth. Um, Magic playing a little bit better these days, sort of able to settle that back in at home. Kings don't play a ton of defense, although they did a little bit in their last ball game. I, I think I'll probably leave this one alone. I don't have a real strong motivational edge in this game. Uh, ever so slight lean to the Kings, if they really are kind of getting things together. Sometimes going out on the road can actually be good when a team is having some weird chemistry stuff also. Milwaukee in Toronto, uh, no massive uh, motivational stuff in this game, no massive schedule stuff in this game. I, I, Milwaukee laying seven is a big number, but Toronto, frankly, just they haven't been very good. They're still likely missing. We don't know what Siakam's status is for this ballgame. I mean, you can bet they're going to get up for it, but they may or may not have enough in the tank. So um, ever so slightly to Milwaukee just because I, I still haven't seen enough to believe Toronto can hang in there, but you never know. You know, they might just have a game where shots are falling. Denver, Miami. I liked the Nuggets when this line wasn't on the board, because I thought they'd be laying about four, uh, and now it's six. So that sours me a little bit on this one. Miami, first game back home off a long, ugly road trip. They are still perfectly exhausted. Denver just sort of trucking along these days. Uh, But covering six isn't easy on the road. And so that gives me a bit of hesitation there, but a lean to the Denver side based on some of those angles. Brooklyn finally got a win with their big three. They did it either with defense or just fatigue. It's hard to know which one. Total in this game is 239. I like that Trey's starting to play better. Atlanta and Brooklyn have already played twice this year. They split them, but the Hawks were basically, were able to hang in there in both. They, you know, they they played them tough. And... You know, I I don't really see a big reason why they wouldn't hang tough again. But, again, you never know. Slight lean to the Atlanta side. I think, the, you know, they love these big prove-it games, and this should likely be one of them. Lakers in Philadelphia. Lakers are just beating the hell out of people, but this should be a good ball game. Lakers, short number. Yeah, nothing there. Um, I'm sure Philly would like to, you know, put a stamp on it. But, you know, the way Lakers are playing right now. they're They want to crush teams. Boston-San Antonio, no massive... Uh, emotional thing here. Boston may be excited to have all of their guys back for the first time. Does that actually screw things up for them? Or do they have so much firepower now that it doesn't matter? Slightly into the Spurs. I wish they were catching more points. Um, But there may be a little bit of a disjointing with Boston now having three slash four guys that all kind of require usage. This will be the first time for that. Right? Now I'm... I'm putting myself into a weird tongue twister. Who played for Boston in Chicago? Wasn't, uh, didn't Kemba sit that one out? Yeah, they had Tatum back, but Kemba was out. And they blew out Chicago. So it's not a great sign for fading Boston right now. They're playing too well, so I don't think I could possibly fade them. But with all of their main guys back, this would be the time to say, well, you know, maybe there's the one game where they just, they overpass a little bit. But these guys have played together last year. So there's, you know, it's not that big of an adjustment period. It's not like working in a brand new guy. Thunder are in Phoenix, Suns by seven and a half. I really do wonder if there is a carryover from Phoenix losing those two games to Denver over the weekend. It's it's conceivable that there is not. They've been off for a while. I think they had a game in there postponed, if I'm not mistaken. So is this a weird letdown for the Suns? I would look at the Thunder first, but probably nothing Utah Dallas still a super weird line um that one now has dropped by the way what did I say that line was before it was Jazz by like two or three it's down to one and a half now so someone's back for the Mavs and I haven't oh Donovan Mitchell is in the concussion protocol that's what that was so Donovan Mitchell is out um now I actually like the Jazz, so I was afraid to bet them before. I thought the line was really trappy with, when Donovan Mitchell was in, and it was at four because they've just been beating the hell out of everybody. Now I think they try to pick it up. I think they'll try to pick him up. Oh, don't worry about Donovan. We'll keep it going with you out. So now I kind of like Utah, but I may or may not touch that game. The injured star theory, ladies and gentlemen, When a player, when a star is down briefly, his teammates tend to play harder to pick him up, and opponents tend to play a little bit not as hard knowing they don't have that same guy to compete with. Well, for Dallas, you know, they they need to grab some wins this point, so that might be a reason to stay away. Washington New Orleans already talked about this one. Pelicans back home off a long road trip, but they did have that first game postponed. Wizards, I've generally liked the way they've played without Russell Westbrook, but I you know, boy, do they, they I don't know that they have the firepower. And then Minnesota, this is a revenge game. Uh Minnesota Warriors that happened 2 days ago, Warriors beat the hell out of them. Do we think Minnesota can keep up? Nine points is a lot, but they're not good. So slightly into Minnesota, certainly, from a motivational standpoint, but uh you're gonna have to talk me into backing that team these days, because they've been that's one of those teams that's been so bad that even a giant spread hasn't been enough. And that's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed this sort of weird big look towards the future episode. You know, get these twelve game cards and kind of really work through them together and, and kind of do the handicap with each other. Uh, I don't want to say live on air because I've looked at all of these games before starting, but kind of live on air. You guys can sort of work with me on the thought process. If you are enjoying the podcast, my massive request of you today is to please drop that five-star review. I know there are at least a handful of you that haven't done it yet, particularly if you're listening through the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device or iTunes, or maybe you have access to somebody else's phone and you've already done it please drop a five-star review on the pod and subscribe. Find a phone to do it on. Yours, someone else's, it's just, it's colossal, and it would mean the absolute world to me. So thank you in advance for that. Search for Fantasy NBA Today using iTunes or your phone. Click on the show title and scroll down to the bottom. That's where you can drop that five-star review. If you want to write something, that's great, but you don't have to. The whole thing takes 40 seconds. It's really, uh, it's, it's its its easy but it's also a big deal for me. So yes, it's easy, but it, it, it it's one of those little things that goes a, a, a long way. I am Dan Bespris. You guys know that. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You probably know that too. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris and we will talk to you tomorrow morning. So long, everybody.